This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by our very own Complement Plus, the perfect complement to a plant-based diet with just the hard-to-get nutrients and nothing else. Learn more at lovecomplement.com and use code NOMEAT at checkout to save $10 off your first order. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt, I've got some exciting news to share. Okay, good. About social media? <laughs> Not about social media this time, nope. Okay. I have officially registered for my first race since February of 2019? 2020. 2019? Wow. Okay. I think I know yeah. what race it is. 2020. Uh, okay. All right. I already have lied to you. The <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess I... I guess I signed up for the Spartan race too, but uh, <laughs> this one comes before that, so it would be the first one ah. that I would actually run. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so, so Spartan, you're going to do the the half marathon, right? That's for right. Yeah. Logistical, easy reasons. Okay, so this one then is going to be longer. It is. I'm, I'm going to do a 50k and a Fontaflora okay. 50k around Lake James and ah. North Carolina. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to have an ultra marathon on the books and. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Can't wait. I've already jumps. It's already kind of added a bunch of energy into my training and running. Uh-huh. And I don't know. Feels good for sure. Cool. Is it? Uh, so I, I we've, we've talked about this before, but like, it's hard for me to imagine signing up for a fifty k and being really excited about it when I had already done. If I'd already done a bunch of hundred milers, mm-hmm. uh, is is the excitement for you just that you're kind of getting back to racing after you know becoming a dad more and I mean you race since you had kids but you know having priorities elsewhere and then COVID is it kind of just the getting back to racing or is there something about it that you're trying to accomplish? So it is definitely getting back to racing. That's a big part of it. Kind of getting back to a real training cycle. Mm-hmm. So the uh, let's see. The last race was February was right before lockdown. February. 2020 right is that right mm-hmm. yep okay so yeah that was so the rainy one that was um yeah i, I remember was... that i remember that very weekend i remember because i remember being in a hotel in north carolina right, uh-huh. in, near, near charlotte for soccer and i think i remember i think i remember oh yeah thinking that i was dreading how that. miserable it was i think <laughs> i could be wrong but I, I think that was it okay but maybe um not. yeah it probably was well, I gosh, I don't know. I'm like mixing up everything right now. But yeah, um, actually, no, I don't think that's right anymore because yeah, this this would have been the Mitchell Mount Mitchell race, not a hundred miler. Right, it was my last one. Um, okay. Well, anyway, I am very excited to get back into training, like a real training program and real mm-hmm. uh, training cycle. I'm excited about racing, and you know, I haven't had that kind of adrenaline rush in a, in a long time, and. Um, it is a different type of race. It's, it's much, much flatter than any ultra I've run in a very long time. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, so, so, which is kind of freaking me out a little bit because, you know, I'm a decent, I'm a decent hiker and, Uh or I'm, I'm, you know, I consider myself a pretty strong uphill hiker and, uh, and in some ways I can kind of hide behind that on these mountain races where you you get an opportunity to, to hike and, and power up. But if there's, uh, if it's a lot flatter in, in all the hills are runnable, then um, it makes it a little more difficult to justify the the hike. Yeah, right. Interesting. Good. Well, I, I I mean, for me, I think I never got to the point in running ultras when I thought any hiking up any hill was a bad idea. So, mm. I maybe maybe you are maybe that would 
result in too slow of 50k, but I bet you could power hike up up just about any hill, and it's hard to argue that you're losing too much from that. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Cool. Well, good for you. I thought when you said big news, I, I was, for some reason, thought it must be Doug's garden news, because that was, you're kind of known for having garden <laughs> adventure stories, and I don't think he really had any this year. Maybe maybe one. I just, you know, I've been kind of hiding him a little bit. The the garden the garden is in full full swing. We mm-hmm. have an abundance of uh of vegetables this year we added a third bed which was mm. uh which was big and uh that whole bed has been dedicated primarily to squash to vine eating squash and uh melons okay. watermelons and uh cantaloupe mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing which aren't quite ready yet but the squash has been abundant yep way every, too every garden literally every single garden every single year has too many squash <laughs> yeah it's crazy they just keep coming and the worst part is you you know you you see one and you're like oh that you know that one's pretty good but why don't i give it one more day and you come back the next day and it's like as big as your leg <laughs> and uh and you're like oh man and so so plenty of squash we also have a bed that's almost dedicated entirely to tomatoes and basil so we have an abundance Ooh, of that yeah. as well we're uh-huh. making a bunch of sauces and salsas and um a bunch of uh miyoko's we we've some of Miyoko's uh, mozzarella that have you had that the like block of mozz right what's it have to do with your garden well i'm making oh, uh, oh wait, tomato and basil. okay yeah tomato Good. basil gotcha mozz on fresh sourdough bread delicious um, wow yeah so yeah very good things are coming in it's good good glad to hear that we have no garden whatsoever in our apartment but we're looking to buy a house and uh garden is a driving factor for sure in the decision mm. so that'll be nice next summer next summer have you been watching the olympics <laughs> i have uh delayed like everybody else right i think it's pretty much mm-hmm. if you're watching it prime time it's delayed uh yeah Do, it, watching... you know, is the swimming live it says live but is oh. it live you know, I don't know. I kind of assumed it was all delayed, but I it's quite uh-huh. possible that it's not. That that would make sense. If they do certain things that are indoors uh, in, like, morning hours over there, maybe it's live yeah. here. I don't know the time difference, but mm. well, that's good to know. Um, good. Makes me feel a little better about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I We've been watching that. Both my kids are swimmers and have not since COVID, but uh, we like that a lot. Good times. Lots yeah, of good, lots of good lessons to come out of the Olympics. Not lessons, but just sort of, it just makes everybody feel good. Yeah, it's good, feel good stories, and and also just the you know seeing anyone compete at the top level, like you know sports that you never ever follow or care about, mm-hmm. are just exciting to watch. And I watched rowing the other night, you know, for <laughs> quite a long time, and and I've I've never actually that's not true. I've been once in a in a in a skull. What is that what you call them? I don't even know what you call them. Um, Stone stone the stone's the thing right the thing you throw no uh oh, I, <laughs> I went right to the winter olympics where that nobody ever watches except that they make fun yeah. of it which is curling curling <laughs> <laughs> no well anyway i you know so i just i you can get really excited about sports that uh maybe you never really paid any attention to yeah. before and I love I, that. this is not one of those but i watched the triathlon and found that quite interesting. oh yeah uh and then we watched a little ping pong which uh, was oh, nice. not, very, not very interesting, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I've been excited about is uh, is rugby, which oh, yeah. um, I'm not really a rugby fan. Uh, you know, I, I will say that I had a roommate in college who played um, on the uh, on the the App State uh, rugby team. I guess it's a, a not an official team. Right. I don't know what you call them, league team or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I'd go to a bunch of rugby games, but most of the time it was uh, heavily under the influence. <laughs> yeah. <I can laughs> so I, I still have no idea really how the how the rules work, but um, I haven't. But the the men's and women's team, some members of them have been using complement protein and complement plus. So I've ah, been right. like just cheering them on and uh, excited to watch them. The men came in fifth or sixth, maybe, but the okay. women are still going and they're going strong. So. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Um, you know what, this is, I, I heard an interview, I've been listening to Rich Roll again, ever since we were on, I just like paying more attention to the guests and listen, I don't know, I just have this new connection to it, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, so I listened to the guy at 11 Madison Park, the, who, that turned his mm-hmm. menu vegan, thought that was super interesting. Yep. But um, Katie Hoff, the Olympian swimmer who was supposed to be the next, the female Michael Phelps, basically, mm. and turned out she never got more than a silver medal. I don't know if she won multiple or just one, but never even won a gold. Um, she said something in that interview that there was some kind of survey, I don't know if it was informal or a real sort of scientific thing, but they, they surveyed Olympians, people training for the Olympics, I think, uh, and they asked them, if you could win the Olympic gold medal in your event, but you know you're also going to die five years later, would you take that deal? And she said like 80% of them said yes, they would do that. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, so like, for it, I mean, they couldn't be talking about all Olympians. I, I think it must be about, uh, you know, certain sports. Because just, the, I think there are a lot of Olympic sports where people kind of have a, maybe this is wrong or unfair, but like where they're not hugely, massively competitive sports. Not to take anything away from getting to the Olympics, because I know it's, you know, primo high level at any sport. Mm. But there have got to be some where you don't need to dedicate every waking hour to this goal yeah and, and right. i almost wonder if that's the majority of sports that you know it, it's celebrating amateur sports for kind of being that uh mm-hmm. but there are these other ones and i'm guess just guessing maybe this whether it was formal informal was surveying people who were um you know the gymnasts or the swimmers or the ones who are in these big time since they were seven years old have been in the pool every day yeah and... right exactly mm-hmm. and it just I, that really struck me so i've talked to my kids about that because holding my son is like so i'm into soccer and it, it's not it's he's just too young to to call it anything like that level and i wouldn't pretend that he's like i mean i think he's an amazing player and we keep hearing that but i i don't know what how it compares to you know a true like swimming prodigy or someone where you just know at the beginning that they're just destined mm. um but like you know I, I we always have this this discussion at least i do in my head of like is it ever worth making becoming a pro athlete in in a sport like that where like it's it's just extremely extremely long odds against that happening is it ever worth making that like your number one goal or is it just too remote a chance that to really take it seriously as a goal is is just a bad idea? Hmm. Um, especially because if you even if you make it as a pro soccer player or baseball player or NFL player, I mean, chances are you're you're going to play two years and probably not in the top league. But if you do get to the top of the top, it's going to be a short career unless you're you know the, the one out of twenty who is a standout at that level. Uh, it's like, well, is it, it? I mean, I don't know. Is that is that ever worth giving up? It's all the other opportunities as a kid that you have to, to you know, have have school or some sort of academic topic or something that applies mm-hmm. eventually to a work. And not that these things don't, because these sports, you know, they do teach you lessons. And these days there's lots of ways to make livings and things. But anyway, we've been having that discussion a lot. And uh, I I've, I've just, it just added this whole thing. Like, I, like how much these people <laughs> want that right. accomplishment. Uh, yeah. It, I don't know. It's just, it's really neat. It adds, adds to how you feel when they when they do or don't get it <laughs> i mean you know what do i know I, i'm certainly never ever gonna compete at any level like that but i imagine that especially for the swimmers or the 
uh, gymnasts or the track people who are who are literally grinding every day and that's all they are thinking about and all they are working towards and have really no other you know I, I think it's probably fair to say that most of them are training is their career right at least right now yeah um, sure. and uh, you know I, I kind of feel like you have to have that that full-on right. commitment in order to in order to get that gold because yeah. if you don't right if you don't care about it that much, then like, why are you doing it? You know? Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just, it's bizarre. But it is, it, it kind of, so one thing I've been really, we may have even talked about this recently. So if, if we have, then cut me off. But um, <laughs> I always like to talk about this cough. So <laughs> yeah. like what, one thing that's cool about that, that I think, uh, or, or any of these sports that are maybe not like you have to be all in, but that are kind of more fringe sports that um, you are very passionate about and you are, might be competing at a top level for, is that now because of the world we live in, you can have careers in that sport and work in that sport for the rest of your life and be really successful in that sport yeah. without actually being a top level athlete. I think we did talk about this. You and I have definitely okay. talked about this and I think it was on the podcast. Okay. But, well, uh, then we don't but need yeah. to go into that. No, it's, it's super cool. I've said, I've had that conversation with several people recently. Uh, cause I, like I said, I've been thinking about that too for, for Holden's sake. Cause like we, we have so much trouble getting him motivated with homeschool and like with any academic topics. Cause all he wants to do is soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just thought it would lead down all this paths of like all this interest in these different topics and we'd explore them together. But like, any free time he gets just wants to do soccer. So yeah, it's yeah. just like, I don't know. But so I'm actually looking at those things now and thinking like, man, maybe, maybe like a career in athletics is not the worst idea if, if the pro isn't the only, you know, successful outcome. Mm-hmm. Like so. the, one of the women uh, rugby players that I'm following right now, who, you know, is obviously one of the best in the United States, maybe one of the best in the world, like really successful rugby player. But you know, I think that she has, I mean, it's not like there's a professional luxury league that's a top tier sport here in America, right? Right. Um, and so you know, she can't be making that much money off of rugby, but she has, and she has like a million followers on Instagram and she has this whole like life around rugby. Right. That, that is, makes much more from that. Yeah. It's, it's so much bigger than, than just kind of competing as an athlete. And I think yeah. it's, I think it's awesome. Oh, it's super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to keep this episode sort of short today, um, <laughs> and we've already gone along with the intro. But uh, you suggested this topic, which I think is an interesting one. We we usually try to focus the things around, uh, you know, practical kind of help you out, especially if you're a beginner or if it has to do with a mindset thing. Because I mean, we don't we don't try to get into too technical, often um, sports or even nutrition topics. We try to just keep it, um, I don't know, just accessible, I guess. But um, you had this idea to talk about what's next for the vegan movement. And at first I was thinking, well, not really practical enough, but you said last time we did something like this, it was good. And I, more importantly to me, it's like, I, maybe other people don't care about this or perceive it, but it feels to me like, uh, I personally, and then we as a, as a brand, no meat athlete are at this point where we're kind of asking what's next for us. Um, just, you know, because of sort of business organizational changes. And we're like at this sort of clean slate phase. We we had this immensely successful book launch with the plant-based athlete, became a New York Times bestseller, um, which is, you know, all I'd ever hoped for from a book. Uh, so like we've accomplished that. And I had so much, you know, so much of my energy was geared around that. Uh, and a lot of the Nomad Athlete, you know, attention of the audience, we were putting on that for like two months straight, it seemed like. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so now we still got the supplement company, Compliment, of course, sponsor of this episode. Uh, we've got big goals for that. Uh, but, you know, we're like, it feels kind of cool to have this clean slate and not really have any huge in the works projects so that we can really almost like from the ground up design exactly the experience we think uh, is most helpful to someone. That's not that related to the question we want to discuss today, but for some reason, like just thinking about that has made me ask that same question. Like what, what does the plant-based movement need now? Uh, or like, what's the next step? And it's a good question because it, it seems like, like, I don't, there's no immediate answer to me. Like we, we've kind of, obviously like as far as people who, you know, animal rights, people, environment, um, environmentally driven people, uh, I mean, obviously, there's so like we've barely made a dent in in those problems, um, but you can sense that like we're on the trajectory trajectory to make a big dent in those problems um, because of the you know the plant based food to me just the plant based foods being in the in the not just the grocery stores but the fast food restaurants. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's a good thing for the movement. That's still I know people a lot of people argue that it is, and I I still wonder if it is, but it's definitely an indicator of where we've how far we've come uh that it's happening it just shows you how important you know this particular audience of customers of buyers is to those restaurants that they're willing to put these items on their menu and advertise them prominently and it's not just one restaurant now it's a bunch of them and i think yeah it's not even news anymore when like a fast food joint picks up right beyond burger yeah really Mm -hmm. so it's i i I don't know it just to me i think that was sort of unimaginable even 10 years ago when, which is when we kind of started doing this, um, you know, we've game changers, like the most watched documentary of all time, I think currently by some measures. Wow. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I heard that recently. And I, I think I had heard that before when it came out. Uh, I'm sure there are different ways of measuring Even more that. Than but... Like the Michael Moore documentaries and stuff. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think because now the reach is so much bigger with okay. the way documentaries are watched. That's my guess. Um, gotcha. So that means the next one to come out will will surpass Game Changers. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. It's like it's like we've we've now certainly we've got more to go in the athlete realm, right? Like we need, I mean, we have top level superstars in very niche sports, and then we have you know NFL players, NBA players who are pretty near the top. We have the best male tennis player in the world for a decade, uh, Novak Djokovic. 100% vegan, um, which it's hard to imagine like too much bigger level of stardom than that, but I guess we just need more like that. Um, and so I don't know, it's like you can imagine you can imagine the, the ground we still have to cover, like you can imagine eventually this really just ripping through top level sports and having 20 or 30% of the league doing that or more because they sense that that's, that's where the money is for them to perform their best, even if for no other reason. Um, you can, so you can imagine it getting there, but it's like it's hard to picture. Like, here's the next step we need to get in order to accomplish that. Like, it just feels like we're kind of on that path now, and like it's snowballing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's next. What any? What do you think, Doug? Any any main idea of what is like? What are we? What are the next year or two or five bringing for us? So I, I have two things, and they're not really like it's going to be this documentary. Or it's going to be this big thing, but mm-hmm. um, I think that. Two things are going to kind of change in the psyche of, of the way the world thinks about the plant-based diet. The first is that, you know, a lot of people know and associate environmentalism with eating less fear animals, right? And 
Um, but I still think that a, there are so many people who care about the environment and who consider themselves, you know, environmentalists to some degree who have never ever considered going plant-based or, or even vegetarian. It's just, it's always been kind of this, in my mind, it's always been this like separate thing that, oh yeah, I should probably do that. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, but I, I'm not going to, I'm going to focus on recycling and riding my bike and right. you know, that kind of thing. I think you're right about that. I, I can sense that even as someone who's sort of outside of that world, it's just never been my primary passion or focus. Uh, I can sense that like being green has become a mainstream thing. Like everyone wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but not yet everyone wants to be vegan or or associates that really like you said that that's the important thing it's just it's not really even linked uh, and I've, I've heard people who even are like environmentalists and they talk about who, who work at you know places dedicated to that and they talk about it and like it even even it there it's just it's just not quite i don't know it just doesn't get through that like that's right. one of the biggest steps you can make perhaps the biggest one right um so what's that going to take then i mean we, we already had cowspiracy yeah. Well, I, you know, I think it, I think it is shifting. You know, you hear about uh, government agencies talking about the impact of the meat industry on the environment. And you mm-hmm. hear about, um, you know, you see it in the news a little bit more. And I think that, like, when I was in D.C., when I was living in D.C., this was seven, eight years ago, um, a lot of my friends, just the network I was in, a lot of my friends worked for different environmental agencies, and very, very few of them were vegetarian or vegan and it just wasn't really like a thing but I think that I think that as the conversation around meat and the impact on the environment continues to kind of become more mainstream and people are much more comfortable with composting or recycling or riding their bike they're already doing those things and they're saying then they're going to say like okay what can I do next and uh, and then the shift will just kind of naturally happen that's my guess. That's what I hope, anyway. Yeah, I can see that, and I, I actually, that makes me think that, and we've been talking about this as if every, everyone who's who's an environmentalist should be vegan, but... Right, and that's like with, not what I'm trying to, I mean, I'm not trying to shame anybody or anything like that. Right, but. right, but I, I think, just like with health, like, the, the much more likely and much bigger opportunity uh, is, is for people to have this mindset that doesn't say, well, I should be vegan if I'm into the environment. It should be that I should do my best to eat as little meat as possible or eat less yeah. meat. And mm-hmm. and that's that's where assuming there's no big major backlash when when everyone realizes how terrible these uh these fake meats are for us. Uh <laughs> it's it's you know, it's cool to see someone who's never going to become vegan just does not want that at all that they might think they're doing something good by by having a beyond burger half the time when they get a burger. Mm-hmm. Uh and and then you because know, because that's just the beginning and you can imagine that that happening more and more and even if they're never going to go below, you know, ten percent of their food from animal products, that's way better than fifty percent of their food from animal products. Sure. So you can you can imagine that being a big thing like and and we sort of the term plant based has has blown up to me in the past two years compared to before, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think I think that term or maybe, nah, I, I doubt there will be a new term. That's probably the one. Um, I think I think that that will get big, or, or that's that's one of the big opportunities. Is like this idea of like that you can be someone who eats a whole lot of plants, way more than what the per- typical average person does now, and you can be contributing by doing that as best you can. Yeah, and I you know I do think that that shift is 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 rapidly. I mean I, I can't tell you how many people, and I'm sure we all experience this where we we meet somebody they find out they're vegan they're like 
oh yeah, you know, I've, I've intentionally tried to eat less meat or mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm only eating fish now, uh, yeah. except for the occasional burger or whatever. Um, like I, I really think that that is happening on a wide scale and people aren't talking about, there's not a real big term for it or something like that, but the people are just reducing their meat consumption. And, and I may be totally off by that. I don't have any numbers to back me up. Um, mm-hmm. but it sure seems that way, at least with people. Right. I think you're right. And I, I think there's a, again, this is no numbers with it whatsoever. I have the sense that when you serve someone or talk to someone about a, a fake meat these days, putting a meat alternative in a, in addition to me, they, there's no like that's gross reaction mm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I think people just sort of view that now as a viable option. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, yeah, I had one meat. of those Impossible Whoppers. It was good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. yeah. All right, so I, I do have another one that I think is, is interesting, but um, why don't we pause for a second to thank our sponsor. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Complement Plus, the eight critical hard-to-get nutrients on a plant-based diet all in one place. Doug, I think we can all agree that the plant-based diet is a nutrient powerhouse. We can. Right? <laughs> but no matter how great the plant-based diet is for your long-term health, no diet is perfect. Even a, Even a well-planned diet can lack a few important nutrients for your health. That's where Complement Plus comes in. We provide the eight hard-to-get nutrients in science-backed, bioavailable amounts, all in a simple black capsule you take every single day. It includes the nutrients you hear a lot about, like vitamin B12, D3, and DHA, EPA, omega-3s, but we've also added a handful of nutrients that are technically available through plant-based foods, but most of us aren't getting enough of them. These are like zinc, iodine, K2, magnesium, and selenium. And that's it. Everything else you're probably already getting in abundance through your plant-based diet, uh, which is which is why this product exists. Yeah, everything you need, nothing you don't. It's uh, the perfect complement to your plant based diet. Maybe that's what. What other uh, taglines we have that we can? Uh... Uh, that's kind of all. All I think we've got. Everything you need. I mean, I know there've been more, but we should, <laughs> yeah. we should plan a whole bunch of them one day. And just rattle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> With Complement Plus, we've made it a complete no brainer to give it a shot. Each batch is third party tested for potency and purity, and those results are shared right on our website for everyone to see. There's a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so if you're not happy, you just shoot us an email and we'll refund your purchase. If you've ever dealt with Nomad Athlete before in our customer service, you know that we make good on promises like that. And when you sign up for a flexible subscription, you get 15% off each bottle. We know that the best thing we can do for our own health, the health of the community, and Doug, like you said, the environment, and the growth of this movement is to ensure we're thriving on a plant-based diet for the long term. Learn more about Compliment Plus at lovecompliment.com and use no meat at checkout to save an additional 10%. All right. 10% or $10? $10. Ah, oh, you're right. I missed that typo. $10. No meat. $10 off. Lovecompliment.com. Okay. So I think that for me, and I don't know, did you have another one you wanted to jump in with or, or should I just go? No. I'm, I'm a clean slate. I have no ideas about this. I'm just responding to what you said. The the other one, and this is uh, this is maybe slightly more long term, maybe not in the next year or two, but uh, I think it will become in the next five years. I, I envision this being a, a much bigger thing. As as a lot of us now, me, you, and a ton of people that we both know are raising our kids vegan. And, um, I think that that really wasn't, you know, obviously there were some people who have been vegan their whole life who are much, much older than our kids. Um, and, but, you know, I think that it's much more accepted now to raise kids on a plant-based diet. And then once they become a little bit older, once they become teenagers, once they become, um, going to high school and everything, it's going to be 
so much more normalized for them and their peer communities that they're going to grow up in a world where veganism is just kind of a thing and like and not a fringe thing, but just a part of their life. And I think that that is going to be a huge shift um, mm-hmm. in the in the communal psyche around veganism. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that is a really good point. Um, yeah, I mean the the pro like. Most of the people who eat a plant-based diet these days, I have no idea what the percentage is, but you got to imagine it's 95% were not born, born or raised that way. Right. Uh, that, and, and so now, yeah, I mean, I mean, imagine by what factor the number of kids raised vegan is compared to what it would have been our generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it, must, it must be 20 times as many. I mean, I don't know, but it just, it's just not even a strange thing, whereas I knew zero vegans and vegetarian kids when I grew up. Not one. Yeah, exactly. Just, Same. Just didn't. Yeah. So that you're right. That's a huge thing. That's a that's a, and that's a very deep kind of mindset level thing, which is not you know, which is more meaningful, I think, than someone who goes vegetarian uh, and or goes vegan after they see a documentary, because that that doesn't typically last. But somebody who's raised that way, that's that's much different. That's someone who who it's like it's, it's like a fish, you know, being grown up in water. They don't realize they're in it. It just it just affects everything about their life, right? And that's that's how that's going to be. So that's a really good point. And yeah, and even if they don't stay vegan, right? You know, even if they didn't, they they still have this. Uh, they've still grown up with that mindset around the plant based movement and veganism, and their friends have done that too. I mean, you know, all of her friends, all of my you know my older daughter's friends, for the most part, know that she's she's vegan, and and uh, you know some of them like don't eat dairy and it's like not a thing and you know like i don't know i just i think that there's going to be a whole generation of kids that are now growing up with the with understanding what plant-based diet and what the vegan vegan diet is Mm -hmm. and when they get a little bit older it's going to completely change the conversation yeah all right so i do want to talk to you about if you think there's any obstacles that are dextrose. We've only we've only cited positive things, and maybe that's the path we're on, and maybe that's that's why it's <laughs> an inevitability. But uh, here's one I, I have not really discussed with anyone, and only kind of thought Ooh. of just now. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's not it's not exactly tested or vetted, um, but like we we talk about plant based food as if it is sort of a static thing. Like we've got all these Beyond Burgers now, and like now we just need to get people to eat them. Uh, and they're, and they're good, but how come we don't talk about like the improvements to the food, the plant-based food or or the, the closeness with which they can replicate the real thing and not quite going to the lab grown meat conversation here yet, but like, that's, that's certainly a, a, you know, one, one specific example of this. Um, you know, like with, with all technological changes that Moore's law technology, whatever doubles every, what is it? two years, year and a half, seven years, I don't remember. But mm-hmm. just, you know, huge exponential growth rate. And I've also heard people talk about who are like futurist types who have said, I think it might have been Ray Kurzweil who wrote this, that when you're making guesses about the future, if they're not like completely outlandish, and this is, you know, he's talking about the distant future, but the same goes for any scale you want. It's just it's just to scale the amount of outlandishness. But he says if your guess about the future isn't, you know, in many ways ridiculous, and and laughed at then there's a you know it's not going to be right because (laughs) when you look at at the past 200 years like the changes that happen in the next 50 like you know they're they are things that no one could have imagined that that would possibly happen 
Yeah. Because it's just too far out there. Wow, so, I love that. That's, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, so to imagine then that, you know, in the next decade, we're not going to have plant-based foods that are, like, indistinguishable. Like, what if we what if we get to this point where it's, it's you go in the grocery store and you don't actually know which one you're buying because they're, they're so similar. And <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter to anyone except for, like, you know, the niche food purist who insists on certain type of beef for whatever reason because it's just it, it, there's just something about it like you with your uh, analog records you think listening to vinyl is better than listening to cds <laughs> <laughs> like that person still might insist on the beef and they're going to pay a lot more for it but like it, i i don't think it's too unlikely that that not all that long from now we're going to be in that situation where it's it's exactly what you want and and perhaps the way to get there is this is this lab grown meat thing which is i know is a different thing and then there's a whole that's not exactly vegan in the vegan sense because it requires the T-cells from the animals at first, but that doesn't make it any less a solution to so many of the problems that we're talking about. Um, So yeah, I just, I don't know, like it kind of seems silly to to talk about that without thinking that in 10 or 15 years, it's just going to be indistinguishable foods. And like, we may just not even think about which one we're having. You go to the, like if you want a plant-based burger or a regular burger, you go to the meat counter and you just order a burger. Right. Right, and only mm. if you're like insisting on the, the luxury item that costs more mm-hmm. because it's it's guaranteed to be animal beef or something, you know. Then otherwise, you're just getting you just get get the plant based burger because that's cheaper and more plentiful and all these things. Which I think I think that much is true. Like that's not quite true yet. Obviously, the lab grown meat costs a thousand dollars a pound right now, but <laughs> it, it's not going to in a decade. Right. So that's interesting. So is that an obstacle? No, no, that, that wasn't that wasn't I, that was nothing as an obstacle. I guess I mean it'd be interesting if if that was truly the case that they were just kind of serving it and you didn't really know what you'd get, but you just always assumed it was plant food. That would that'd be interesting for vegans because then we'd have yeah. a new problem of like having to make sure that, that yeah. it is, even right. though it's exactly what we wanted, that everyone's eating more of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, that is not a problem to me. That, that's just that's one of those things where technology sort of solves all the problems, which is easy to always go to that argument around <laughs> a lot of all things. And, yeah. and it's and so far it's been correct in many many ways, uh, you know, over the past few hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about obstacles? I mean, I think the backlash thing is one that that we find out a plant based diet isn't so healthy because it's it's actually not noticeably more healthy when you eat tons and tons of fake meats and things like that. Right. Uh, th- there are still some benefits, like you you can get that less saturated fat, a few less calories, um, you know, the the IGF insulin-like growth factor um, increase that happens in your bloodstream from eating animal protein doesn't happen with plant protein by and large. Uh, so, I mean, there are things, but it's not, it's just not the same as eating way more fruits and vegetables. Like, that's the real point, beans and nuts and seeds and all that. Um, that's where these real health benefits are. So if, if people aren't doing that, but they're just swapping their meats out, you know, we're still going to have the health problems. But see, I, I don't know. If the food becomes just keeps getting better then i don't i don't see what the big drawback is ever going to be to people choosing the plant-based option if it's a little bit healthier yeah so i don't know that's really interesting that's so what's uh, what's the drawbacks do we have any i mean i mean obstacles that we're headed towards do we have any well so here here's my fear and i don't know if this is really an obstacle i don't know if this fits or not but um you know what eight years ago when was when was the paleo diet diet 10 years ago when did it kind of first hit the mainstream? First hit it 
longer than that for sure. Because I was, I remember I got the paleo diet for athletes before I started Nomad Athlete, probably three years before that. So 15 years ago, the paleo diet for athletes was a thing. And okay. probably five years before that was the, the paleo diet. Okay. Well, I, you know, I'm not thinking about 20 years ago. I'm definitely thinking more in the like 10 to 10 to 15 years ago when um, maybe it was like CrossFit was kind of exploding and the association between CrossFit and paleo was, was big. I mean, there was a point where I probably knew more paleo eaters than I did vegans. Sure. Um, and, you know, just a lot of people, aunts, uncles, um, friends, random people down the street were were trying the paleo diet. And my fear, and I would say that 0% of those people that I knew, well, maybe maybe 10% of those people still kind of eat a diet like that. Right. Um, my fear is that we're going through our paleo moment Mm-hmm. and uh, everyone's going to be doing it, everyone's going to be talking about it, and then 10 years from now, there's going to be another diet that uh, has everybody talking about it and trying it out. Yeah, I would love to actually see, like, an analysis of this. Like, because you, you can go and Google and look at the trends and see how terms, mm. how they were searched and things like that. My sense about those, and this you probably can't get all this data 20 years back, with Google necessarily, but I have a sense with those is that they they probably blew up and spiked fast, mm-hmm. uh, because that's what fad diets do, and that's what diets that get a ton of media coverage do is they suddenly you know take the nation or the world by storm. I don't think the plant based diet is doing that, or, or if it is, and it may, completely like acknowledge that I might have a bias here, but. I remember when I started Nomad Athlete, I remember in the very early years of it, I would do little interviews and text interviews, and people would say things like, do you think this is a fad? And I would say, I don't really know, like I'm new at it, but it seems to me that there are these, all these other factors that aren't just the, about the health. It's, there's the environmental thing. Um, Long term, there's economic things and, you know, the animal rights. And so it just seemed like this thing that like was sort of the result of a growing uh, or expanding consciousness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I think maybe that's why, like, I don't know, this diet, like, it, it popped up 20 years, I mean, plant-based. Like, people were doing it, whatever, 70, 80 years ago. Uh, and it's it's kind of been, like, a, just a steady right. increase since then, right? And I, I don't know that for a fact, but my perception of it has been a steady increase since then. Uh, and, and now we're, like, hitting the steep part of the exponential growth curve, and in the past mm-hmm. five years, seeing seeing huge changes. But I just think maybe we have a more solid foundation because it took longer mm-hmm. uh, than something that blows up, you know, quickly as a fad. So that's that's my hope to that. Uh, I don't really know, but I still think that these external factors, because uh, this is not this is not like the go-to weight loss diet, and it's it's not the go-to sports performance diet. We're trying to, you know, enlighten everybody that it that it can be that. Um, or that it's at least a viable alternative to every other diet when it comes to sports. Mm-hmm. But but it's not like the quick fix to all your problems diet. It, like it, the health benefits that come from plant-based, the ones that have been demonstrated are are long-term benefits. Right. Uh, there are short-term weight loss benefits and and you you know short-term lots of other things that happen in the short-term too. But to me it just seems like the value proposition is so much more about long-term health and then and then you've got these external these non-health factors, environmental and animals. Uh so yeah, that's, know, it's, it's that's a really good that. point. That's a really that's a really great point. Uh, yeah, I think you might have 
lessen my worry for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's without a doubt grounded in uh, bigger picture things like the environment and animal rights and, and so much more than just, um, you know, quick gains at the gym. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that is, that is the big difference. But I guess my fear is that like, will it, will it move away from the mainstream conversation and, and something else will replace it? But yeah, I think that's actually going to happen. I think, I think like we've, we've gotten the growth we have through this slower process. And like I said, I think that foundation is more solid. But like I said, also, we're hitting that steeper part of this exponential curve, and it is becoming a cool thing in the mainstream. And most things don't stay cool in the mainstream that are that way. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll probably continue to have this this slower progress. Uh, but I also think that, that we will, at some point, lose some of the steam that we're getting, and, and there will be a little bit of a, I don't know if backlash is the right word, but people going the other way because they want to they be different, and they want to, you know, do the next cool thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think this will sort of continue to, even if, even if there's like a temporary downward spike that, that is sort of opposite this upward spike, I think we're still going to come down a little bit higher and then we'll just kind of keep moving up mm-hmm. from there. That would be my optimistic guess. I, you know, I think, I think you're right about that. Certainly hope good. so. Yeah. Let's hope so. All right, good. On, on that positive note, should we wrap it up? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, good. Thanks for listening, everyone. This was a little different episode for us, but, uh, Fun to, fun to chat about this and to think about what's next for No Mean Athletes. So stay tuned. We're going to be sending out an email soon if you're on our email list. Uh, and if you're not, get on there. Uh, survey kind of asking about, like, you know, what, just what are your thoughts about where we should go from there? Like, how can we best uh, serve you as, as, you know, from our position in this community? So if you're on the email list, just look out for that. And please, uh, if you get it, fill it out. It would help us. And it'll help you. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, everybody. Next week. All right. Bye. Bye.